Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady and I am here with Anthony Nieves, who is the committee chair for the services report on business from the Institute for Supply Management. Anthony, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate being on the show. This is a report that is in rarefied air. These numbers are so high that it's it's startling. Why don't you give us the overview of what appears to be an incredibly good report? Well, we continue to see the strong strength that's uh, been exemplified in the uh, services sector, even though the composite index has come down 7.1 percentage points, uh, keeping in mind that 69.1, you know, we set five all-time records through the course of uh, 2021. And so this December report at 62 looks uh, by many as to be a little bit below expectations. They got accustomed to that uh, high uh, record setting pace that we had going on for the services sector. But when you look at 62.0 and the baseline being 50, this is still, as you highlighted, a very strong reading for the services sector. We uh, knew there'd have to be some pullback eventually, there'd have to be some waning in this strength just because it wasn't sustainable for such a long period of time. We'd see the economy overheat if we uh, had this kind of uh, trend continue on for uh, you know several months, and and it's been uh, very nice to see that uh, demand has been strong in the past 12 months and longer, and that uh, what we've seen uh, exemplified in this report, the other indexes that comprise the um, composite index, business activity, new orders, employment, and supplier deliveries, all reading pretty strong. Uh, the one note uh, exception of that might be the employment, which is down 1.6 percentage points to 54.9. But I think that is more restricted based on the labor pool and that it's been very difficult in the services sector for many of these companies to backfill positions. We've seen that mostly in the retail trade. Uh, the hospitality accommodation and food services, as well as leisure, the travel. And that is because they're customer facing. They're also tedious jobs. And many of the respondents have indicated that people are looking to, uh, with the wage pressure we've seen come into the equation, uh, look to higher paying jobs with uh, less uh, risk and less stress uh, associated with that. You mentioned overheating. How is the prices index doing within this report? Because it seems to be pretty aggressive in manufacturing. It's interesting how as little as two, three months ago, we kept hearing that this inflation was transitory. Well, it's been beyond transitory and it has to do with the, uh, the definitely the pressure that's been put on the supply chain. Uh, we know of the bottlenecks in the supply chain. We know of the raw material increases, the cost increases. Uh, the demand has been very strong and the supply has not been able to keep up with the demand. So therefore we've had this demand pull inflation that's been ongoing. And even though we've seen prices softening just a little bit uh, coming down from the 82.4 down to 68.2 on the manufacturing side, that's still very strong prices. But again, keep in mind that's upstream in the supply chain and they have raw material costs and tangible goods where on the services side, even though there's tangible goods in the equation, it also has the labor component 
and other uh, less traditional uh, manufacturing type price increases. So, but still, um, it's looking at at 82.5. It's up 0.2 percentage points month over month. Anthony, your respondents provide comments about you know what's going on in their particular business as you compile this report. How are they feeling about? where they're at, in, particularly in warehousing and distribution, where there have been some real tough bottlenecks? It's lessened a little bit, uh, not by much. You can look at supplier deliveries. It was at 75.7 last month, came down to 63.9, still very strong. Uh, backlog, 65.9 in November, now down to 62.3. Uh, the other one to look at that is correlates to those two as well as inventory still contracting for seven straight months. It uh, went from 48.2 to 46.7. So they're not replenishing inventories. And this is all attributed to that bottleneck in the supply chain. And it's not just the warehouse and distribution. It's from the actual production that we see overseas and domestic based on a shortage of labor resources. We read in uh, the media all the time about how factories in China will have a case of COVID and they'll shut down a whole entire section of a plant. And that has trickled over to what we're seeing on the services side based on not having those goods come through the supply chain. The port congestion continues. It's alleviated somewhat. Still ongoing shortage with truckers and more importantly, the equipment, the racks um, and the containers those also are contributing to this bottleneck. So you couple that with production capacity issues upstream in the manufacturing side, coming through on the bottleneck on the logistics side, the increased demand, even though consumer demand has just come down a little bit in December versus November, it's still strong. We don't have the production capacity to really meet that demand. And that's why we're seeing the replenishment of inventories being so slow at this point in time and prices remaining strong and backlog and supplier deliveries still continue to be in that uh, growing stage. The retailers had a pretty good holiday season this year. And so they, they helped uh, you know, sustain their profitability. Uh, the challenge for them is gonna, going to be when the containers of things they ordered that they hoped would arrive in November arrive in January? Are we likely to see some big sales? Well, it's just in time for the Chinese New Year. So, you know, it might wash <laughs> itself out. Time will tell. <laughs> but, you know, the one thing that we haven't touched base on uh, about rather is that this new variant that's come out and the contagion associated with it, that's really impacted the labor force. Will it be long-term? We'll have to see how it pans out. But I think right now for the short term, it's certainly affecting many businesses out there and how they're staffing and how they're, and what their output is. Because right now it's, uh, it's becoming really tough, especially in, as I mentioned, those face-to-face, -face, those customer facing type industries. Uh, they just cannot keep the people um, on staff and mostly the, the COVID cases. I, I'm, we're experiencing it directly out here in California with the high rates of infection. Fortunate thing is it doesn't have the hospitalization associated with it when it first came out, when COVID first came out. So that's that's one you know blessing in disguise. But overall, uh, it's still impacting uh, the, uh, the state of, uh, of business activity. 
Uh, we had a discussion with Nancy Lamaster, who's the committee chair for the hospital PMI. Does the hospital PMI fall into the services sector and is extracted from it, or is it completely separate? Well, the, there's many of the respondents that are in the services sector that come from that healthcare and social assistance arena, which is more than just hospitals. So when you look at you know the rankings, uh, you know healthcare and social assistance, I think is like the fourth largest contributor to GDP for the services sector. And yes, uh, they're a component of this services sector ROB report on business, but again, it's more broad than just hospitals per se. Okay. What's it look like for uh, 2022? We had you and Tim Fiori on as we talked about the uh, semi-annual forecast that you did. And it, it continued to look very strong uh, December-wise. Uh, are we feeling comfortable that barring any major uh, ripple that we can't foresee, that the services sector will continue to do pretty well with these kind of numbers? I anticipate that uh, the numbers will still remain strong. Uh, you know, how strong that, that's what remains to be seen. It's very tough to stay north of that 60 percentile on that index for the composite as well as business activity, even though, I mean, look at business activity at 67.8, uh, I'm sorry, 67.6, still a very strong number. I don't think we'll maintain those numbers, uh, especially you know, the last two years have been an anomaly, right, with what we've had going on with the pandemic. And so we didn't see the historic uh, decrease that we would normally get post-holiday. I think we might experience that going into January, maybe early part of February, that there'll be a little bit of a lull. And also, as you mentioned, uh, with containers uh, catching up on the delivery side, uh, we, knew, we know that our respondents had said in past months that they were increasing order quantities and frequency to try and offset that disruption in the supply chain. So maybe we'll see some buildup in inventories uh, by the second quarter. Uh, to directly answer your question, Tim, I think that we'll still see a very strong 2022. It might not stay at this strong rate of growth that we're seeing uh, from the last, uh, we had five, what, five record setting months within 2021. I think 2022 will still be well north of the 50 baseline and we'll still see continued growth. It'll take at least a quarter or more for the pricing pressure to alleviate a bit. So we're still gonna see strong pricing index, uh, hopefully uh, as inventories and supply chain uh, you know, get more production out of it, uh, that we'll see the pricing come down just a bit. Anthony, mining is within your services sector, and it's always an area that I'm interested in to see how it is doing, particularly with the pressure that we hear on fossil fuels and coal. How is mining doing in this report? Well, it's the only industry reporting contraction in December. And if you think back um, prior to when we were coming out of the recessionary period, the services sector, and I'm going back two or three years now, was really rebounding nicely, but the one industry that was always the anchor on that number was mining. It was always lagging behind. And then when we went into 27, uh, um, 2018, 2019, mining kind of had a nice little pop up there. And it was looking like it was holding its own within the industry. It wasn't you know, toward the top of the 18 industries, but it was certainly 
um, out of contraction territory and it was showing growth. And then since the pandemic, we've seen it kind of nosedive a little bit and not every single month in the last you know, two years, but certainly I would say within the last six months, it's been dragging a bit. Now, were there any surprises in this report? Anything unexpected that showed up even in uh, the comments from your respondents that you weren't looking for? Well, you know, they're very uh, consistent with their comments over the past several months. Um, it's almost if um, the industries were blurred uh, more so than they were in the past, the way they were talking about issues with the bottlenecks that we've been talking about in the supply chain, the disruption. Uh, the lack of um, available product, uh, certain raw materials that we've seen carrying over every month uh, outside of the labor component, but it's been chips. We know chips has affected many things, especially in the car industry, um, copper, steel, the precious metals, that is uh, very dear to uh, all forge and metals, right? Um, we're seeing that many of the uh, the personal protection equipment has been on again, off again, depending on how the variants have impacted things, but there was such a buildup of that. And more importantly, I think for this sector, uh, for the non-manufacturing services sector, fuel, fuel has really driven uh, costs uh, within the uh, services sector as it relates to not just petroleum, but petroleum-based products. We've seen it with PVC, we've seen it with polyresin, we see film uh, shrink wrap, all of that's in there uh, month over month as we're seeing um, the cost of fuel uh, impacting other areas. And, and because this industries, the industries that are in the services sector are so reliant on overland trucking, just like many other industries in the manufacturing side are, uh, but with remote disparate locations, overland trucking and that cost of fuel has worked its way into surcharges and increased cost on the delivery. Uh, you mentioned warehousing and distribution earlier. Uh, that is another one where they look at things as a cost per stop or drop. And with fuel added in there and the multiple stops, that's really driven costs up. And inventories in your report isn't as much physical in inventory, I don't think, as in the manufacturing report. But in both of these, I see inventory levels very low. Yet I'm not sensing an aggressive move to push them up. Are we seeing the same thing in services that they're kind of holding back on inventories or can they just not get what they need? Yeah, it's it's definitely industry specific. Okay, we're seeing that in certain industries within the services sector, they're more reliant on actual tangible goods, physical inventory. You see that in the warehousing and transportation Anything, you know, the distribution channel is, is something I was just mentioning that is very important for uh, multi-unit service uh, industries. And because of that, they cannot keep product in supply. They cannot keep it in inventory. And so it has affected um, uh, the, it's what we see directly impacting backlog and the slowing of deliveries. And as far as inventory replenishment, our respondents have been saying month over month, that they can't replenish the inventories fast enough. They're trying, that's where they were saying they were increasing the order frequency as well as quantities, but it was still a challenge for them. Yeah, clearly that will be with us for a while, I have no doubt. I think we've talked about that on the show before, that this is not gonna be 
fixed easily and it will linger through 2022. Uh, and it's certainly going to impact the services sector as well as the manufacturing sector. And even you know the healthcare and hospital industry is gonna have difficult time replenishing inventory. As we look forward from here, Anthony, uh, and it looks to be a good 2022, uh, how does this translate into GDP? Where would you expect GDP to be? I know that this number always translates into some GDP, but I don't have that calculation. Yeah, it's, you know, when you look at it this month, uh, we're talking in that it translates to a 4.5% increase in GDP, you know, on an annualized basis. We've been as over six. Uh, with some of the record-setting months that we've had, but that tends to be, uh, you know, that's that's not that's an anomaly to see it that high and for that period of time. But I think we'll still remain somewhere in this territory of around, you know, high three four percent range uh, for GDP if you look at it averaged over a over a twelve month period rather than seeing the spikes that we've seen. I don't think we'll maintain sixty two like we have it here this month. Uh, 10 months or 11 months from now, I think it's going to eventually level off as we move forward. One of the biggest pieces of the entire puzzle that's become evident, Anthony, is labor. Obviously, COVID contributes to call-outs, but there's been a record number of quits, people just leaving their jobs for something better or something different. Uh, what is your sector doing to try to retain is it purely a wages and benefits issue or you know, quality of life in the workforce or work from home? Uh, how are they adjusting? You forgot that one box, all of the above. <laughs> well, it, it is because it's a, it's a compilation of things. It is, it is wage pressure is definitely there uh, on the hospital side in the healthcare. They're paying big incentives and bonuses to try and get clinicians on board. Uh, that's a very stressed out industry for sure. Uh, healthcare and social assistance, that is. But even in the hospitality industry, they just can't, you know, you talked about the call outs and the quits. What was it? We're up to 4.5 million jobs of people that just quit. Uh, we came down from 11 million available jobs down to 10.6 million. But still, that's 10.6 million open positions out there. That's a lot of jobs. Um, and with this restricted labor pool and what I've been seeing month over month in the responding comments about difficulty in backfilling positions. Companies, we've said this going back even before the pandemic, it was very touch, uh, tough rather on the executive search side. They would take a person from one business and fill a slot and create a void somewhere else. It was just moving it from one pocket to the next. So it wasn't like we had this increase in, in uh, available skilled workers out there. It's been tough for quite some time and the uh, pandemic has certainly exacerbated it. And not to say that it's been the single most uh, uh, important thing but, or, or put the most weight on it, but we've had this almost perfect storm with people wanting to be entrepreneurial, not have to deal with the risk of going to work, stimulus money, unemployment money, um, other opportunities that were either a more comfortable work environment or less tedious more work from home, uh, you know, all of these factors have been part of the total equation as it relates to why we're having the restrictive labor pool that we have right now. 
Anthony, in the services sector, does that include, and I believe it does, real estate, particularly real estate being leased to corporations? Yes, uh, the real estate rental and leasing is how that's categorized. And it is the single largest contributor to GDP, uh, both uh, in services and overall. So, and then you have to think in terms of, you know, the large dollar transactions that are involved in that uh, versus what we might see in lower dollar value on the retail side, or even in, it's kind of equating it from a average check size, whether it be a quick service restaurant, fast food versus full service dining versus a cater event, but real estate rental and leasing, if you just look at the amount of dollars that are expended on rental and leasing, or even a home sale or a commercial sale or anything like that. It's just very large dollar volume. Well, it'll be interesting to see, and I don't know if you have any uh, insights into what's happening with commercial real estate, particularly office space. I know anybody who can find 100,000 square feet of distribution space has got a gold mine, but if you're sitting on 100,000 square feet of cubicles, you could be in serious trouble. Oh, you hit the nail right on the head. And, you know, we're seeing a little softening on the uh, residential side recently. Um, it was so strong for, for so many months because there's just not the inventory out there, as well as it's just uh, rental prices have gone through the roof over the past uh, year plus. And uh, we're seeing home sales appreciate uh, dramatically over that same period of time starting to soften just a little bit. Well, that will be good news for people trying to buy houses. I know I've heard stories from various parts of the country where, gee, I put in a bid on a house that was $100,000 over asking, and I didn't get the deal. It's incredible. I, I kid you not, I just had this conversation two nights ago with a real estate person that had a home listed that was basically not, uh, it was, it hadn't been touched in probably 40 years as far as renovation, sitting on a decent lot of land. Uh, the plot was a good size um, and it was listed for $5 million. It sold for well over a hundred thousand above it. And there were five offers behind it. And, and it was just lined up with just the numbers you just mentioned two minutes ago. So it's like, what, you must've read my mind. <laughs> it's a crazy job. Anthony, we appreciate you being with us each month to share this report. It's vital information, and we want to encourage our listeners to go to ismworld.org to dive into all of their reports. Anthony, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Tim. And as always, for you that are surfing around, also stop by jacketmediaco.com where you can find all of the Manufacturing Talk Radio podcasts as well as our other network shows. And we always appreciate every listener. And send us your comments. Give us some questions on what you'd like to see us cover. And once again, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.